Well, welcome to a special City Nights. My name is Clayton Walker. I'm the pastor here of the City Church. And tonight, we're going to be doing our best to talk about and pray through what the Bible says our response should be to the injustice black Americans have and are currently facing today in our country. Now, as we get started, I I know full well this is not going to be enough. I don't claim to have all the answers or that this is even going to be close uh, to all there is to say on the matter. But what I do know is that we cannot be silent. I cannot be silent. We must be a part of the solution as a church. And I know as a pastor uh, of a church, a a Christ-following church, I've got to use my position, influence, and voice uh, for the sake of of the oppressed. And I believe that our church and myself and you, we are all in a position right now for such a time as this. Now, I know some of you are going to disagree with some of the things I have to say tonight, but it's my prayer that God's word will do in us, it will do in me, what it always does by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is confront us convict us, correct us, change us, and breathe life into us. I want to start with something Mordecai said to Esther in Esther chapter 4 verse 14 when the Jewish people were facing persecution and the threat of their very lives. Mordecai said to Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty or your position of privilege for such a time as this. And I believe those are words for us, for you, for me, for the church, the place that we find ourselves in right now for such a time as this, that we cannot remain silent, that God wants to use us to help deliver, to join him in what he's doing to deliver oppressed peoples. Proverbs 31 verse 8 says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of the destitute. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And so tonight we're going to do that. We're going to speak up. We're going to talk about what the Bible says uh, as just a place to start really Uh, for those of us who claim to be Christ followers. And we're going to pray five different things tonight. And I just want to invite you, regardless of where kind of you find yourself on the spectrum of these issues, whether you think this is all blown out of proportion and there's no issue all the way to uh, being an activist and knowing we've got a real problem in our country. I just want to invite you, as I'm doing myself, to pray five prayers tonight. And I want to ask you to join us, to not just sit back and watch, but to participate and to pray these prayers. I believe they are dangerous prayers and God can do amazing things in our hearts as we pray these five prayers. So here's the, here's the first one. The first thing that I believe we've got to do as followers of Jesus in the place that we find ourselves right now in this country is to listen. It's to listen. James chapter one says this, James, the brother of Jesus says, you must be quick to listen and slow 
to speak. And so as followers of Jesus, that should characterize our lives. And I believe now more than ever that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Paul said this in Philippians chapter two, that you should consider the other interest. You should consider the interest of others before your own. And so to listen and to consider other interests before our own, here's the prayer that I'm inviting us to pray. It goes like this, God, humble my heart. You see, all of these prayers that we're going to pray tonight are about our hearts because Jesus said, everything we say and do comes from our hearts. It's out of the overflow of our hearts that our mouths speak and our our minds think and we act out. It comes from what's going on in our hearts, Jesus would say. And so when we have issues like we have today, All of us need to look at our hearts and we need to ask God to do something in our hearts that would change the way that we think, what we say, and what we do, how we live. And so all of these prayers are going to be directed at our hearts tonight. And so I just want to invite you to stop right where you're at and make this your prayer. God, humble my heart that I might listen to what other people have to say, that I might stop speaking and lecturing, sharing my opinion, posting my thoughts, and that I would begin to listen to what black people, to what people of color have to say about their experience in our culture, in our country, and even in our own city. And so would you make that your prayer right now? And I just want to invite you as you're watching right now to jump on our chat and to even type those words out as a prayer. Sometimes it helps just to to write it down or to type it out, to say it, to verbalize it out loud. This, This prayer, God, humble my heart. Help me to listen. Help me to consider the interest of others before my own. So would you make that your prayer? And I just want to stop and actually give you a second to verbalize that, to write that out, to type that in our chat right now and say, God, humble my heart. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would humble our hearts. God, we know that you oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble. And so God, forgive us for our pride, our our arrogance, that we would be so quick to speak so quick to post, so quick to have an opinion when we haven't listened first. So God, would you give us hearts that listen? Would you give us hearts that consider the interest of others before our own? God, humble us, humble our hearts. We don't want you to oppose us, God. But God, we know that you oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble. God, I know I need your grace on a daily basis. And so God, I pray right now, in Jesus' name, you would humble my heart. You would humble my friends' hearts, God. You would humble, God, the hearts of every person that's watching right now. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, our second prayer, our second heart issue is that we would weep with those who weep. In John chapter 11, when Jesus comes on the scene with Mary and Martha after they've just lost their dear brother, Lazarus, they are weeping and crying. They're brokenhearted. And when Jesus shows up, 
The Bible says, the Gospel of John says that Jesus wept. That when he saw the brokenness that was in Mary and Martha, his heart was broken for them. And he wept for them and for the loss of Lazarus. We see Jesus empathizing and sympathizing with those who are broken, who are hurting. Romans chapter 12, Paul says this, weep with those who weep. Some translations say mourn with those who mourn. It's a characteristic of followers of Jesus to weep with those who are weeping, to empathize and to sympathize with what other people are going through. That when we learn, when we listen, and we hear about what's happening, when we learn about what's going on, when we learn, when we listen to people's brokenness and suffering. It's a characteristic. It's in the DNA of Christ's followers to weep with those who weep. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, when one part suffers, all suffer with that one part of the body. When one part of the body is suffering, as Christians, the body of Christ, we all suffer with that one part. And so here's what I want to invite you to pray now. God, would you break my heart? Would you help me to weep with those who are weeping, to suffer right alongside with those who are suffering right now? And so would you make that your prayer? That just like Jesus wept with those who are weeping, He mourned with those who are mourning. He suffered when one of his followers, when one of his kids was suffering. Would you make that your prayer? God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And we know that racism, prejudice, profiling, all all these things that are still a part of everyday lives for people of color in our country, those things should break our hearts because they break the heart of the Father. And so would you just make that your prayer right now? Would you write it out? Would you verbalize it? Would you type that in the chat right now and just join us as, as a church as we ask God to break our hearts? God, I pray that right now you would break my heart. You would break our hearts as the body of Christ. God, that we would realize that, that one part of the body is suffering right now. They're hurting And God, I pray that you would break our hearts, that we would weep with those who are weeping, God. And we know that right now there are black families, God. There are people of color all over our country right now who are weeping, who are suffering, who are hurting. And God, I pray that as you first humble our hearts, then next you would break our hearts, that we might weep with those who are weeping. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Third, our, our third prayer relates to confession. 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 139 says this, Search me, God. See if there's anything offensive in me and lead me in your everlasting way. Search me, God. We need to confess that we often have not listened. We've been quick to speak, quick to post, 
quick to lecture, but we have not been quick to listen. I know that's been true for me. I I think you might say maybe that's been true for you too, that you have not been quick to listen. You haven't considered the interest of others before your own. 1 John 3 says that if the love of the Father is in us, then we will love our brother. And then if we're not loving our brother, then the love of the Father is not in us. James chapter 2, James says that we should not show partiality or favoritism or prejudice. We shouldn't discriminate. And so maybe as you ask God to search your heart and confess your sin, you might realize that you haven't been listening. I know for me, I'll confess, I feel like with this issue, I've been late to the game and I just confess that. I've been late to the game. I, I haven't been really listening to the stories that people of color have been sharing. I haven't been listening. I've been showing partiality to my own experience and letting my own experience inform my opinions. And so I don't know about you, but I, would, I, I just want to invite you to ask God to search your heart. And so would you make that your prayer? As followers of Jesus, we should at least be willing to pray, God, search my heart. And if there's anything offensive in my heart that you reveal to me that the Holy Spirit convicts me of and reveals to me, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts us regarding sin and righteousness. And so as we ask God to search our hearts, to see if there's anything offensive in us, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal ways, maybe, that you have been partial, that you haven't been listening, that you haven't been considering the interest of others before you own. And as God reveals those things to you, you need to confess those. First John says, if we claim to be without sin, if we act like that we have no part to play in this, if we act like we have no sin in our lives, then we're deceiving ourselves. And so I would invite you to make this your prayer. God, search my heart. Search my heart. And so would you do that now? Would you just ask God, God, search my heart and reveal to me anything offensive that you find? Search my heart, God. So would you Write that out right where you right where you are. Verbalize that. Type that in our, our chat right now just as a way of participating with us together. God, search my heart. Let's pray. God, I pray that right now you would search my heart, God. God, that we would humble ourselves and pray that we would confess our sin and that we would turn from the wickedness, the sinful, evil thoughts and prejudice that we find in our hearts. So God, would you give us the humility right now to make that our prayer? God, search my heart. And God, I pray that you would reveal to us anything that you find offensive in our hearts and that you would lead us in your everlasting way. So God, convict us right now of sin and righteousness. And God, I pray that you would help us by the Holy Spirit's power 
to change and to turn and to run from any sin that you reveal to us. But God, I pray that right now you would give us the strength. God, you would give us your your people the courage to pray that prayer. God, search my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Our next prayer is that God would stir our hearts. You know, in the scripture, we find that God gets angry about sinful things. And we see God get angry, especially when people take advantage of other people. One of, one of the wildest stories we see in the Gospels of, of Jesus, one of the, what the, the seeming, seemingly most irreligious and wildest stories we, we see of Jesus is Jesus going into the, the temple and driving out the money changers, knocking over tables because these people were taking advantage of others. They were taking advantage. They were selling things that had to be offered as sacrifices in the temple, and they were making money hand over fist, taking advantage of people. And Jesus couldn't stand this. In fact, he hated it so much that he went in, some of the gospels say, with a whip and drove people out of the temple, knocked over tables. Because Jesus had a righteous anger towards people who were taking advantage of others. And so I would ask you to make this your prayer. Stir my heart. God, stir my heart. Give me a righteous anger over the things that anger you, God. Not, not, a, not a, a violent kind of, of anger. Not a hateful kind of anger, a righteous anger that gets angry over sin and wickedness, racism, prejudice, profiling. These things that oppress defenseless people should make us angry. They should stir an anger in us, a God-given anger towards wickedness. And so I just want to invite you to Make this your prayer. God, stir my heart. And so I just want to invite you to write that prayer down, verbalize that prayer right now, type that in the chat again, and let's just ask God to stir our hearts. God, we know when we look at the, the life of Jesus, that Jesus cared about marginalized and oppressed peoples. God, people who were being taken advantage of by those who were in privilege, God, by those who were in power, and specifically by spiritual leaders who were taking advantage of people. And so, God, we we pray right now you would stir our hearts. God, would you stir my heart? God, would you give me a righteous anger for the things that your heart gets angry about. So God, I pray that right now you would stir my heart, you would stir the hearts of your people right now, God, for the things that your heart is stirring for. And God, we pray that in Jesus' name.
And then finally, our last prayer is about action. In Isaiah chapter 1, God says this to Israel. Take your religious activity, all your sacrifices, all of these religious routines. Just just stop all of them. Stop doing them. Get them out of my sight. And God says through the prophet Isaiah, stop doing all these things. Stop all the religious activity. Stop all the religious routine because you are not defending the cause of the oppressed. So stop all the religious activity and start defending the cause of the oppressed. Again, Mordecai said to Esther in 4 verse 14, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance. You hear the action there? The relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. But who knows whether you have not attained your royalty, your position, your privilege for such a time as this. Mordecai was challenging Esther to action, to speak up for relief and deliverance for her people, the Jews. In Luke chapter 15, we learn that A good shepherd will leave the 99 and will pursue that one lost sheep. There's action there of pursuit and going after and helping the cause of the one who's lost and who's hurting. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says that in the end, He's going to judge people, and when he judges people, he's going to put the goats on his left and the sheep on his right. And the goats, those who the the goats that represent those who are not followers of Jesus, will go into eternal destruction. But the sheep, those who have followed the shepherd, followers of Jesus, will go to eternal life. And here's how Jesus defines the goats and the sheep. Here's the differentiation. Here's what separates the goats from the sheep. Jesus says the sheep, those who follow him, help the poor, the orphan, the widow, the prisoner, the sick. And Jesus says what you did for them, what you did for the least of these, what you did for these people who were hurting and oppressed, you did for me. That's the line of separation that Jesus says separates followers of Jesus from people who aren't followers of Jesus. This is a a defining characteristic, in other words. This is a part of our DNA as followers of Jesus, that we help those, we defend the cause of those who are hurting and oppressed. And what we do for them, Jesus said, you are doing for me. And so Jesus, we, we learn, cares about those who are marginalized and expects us to do something. What you did for them, you do for me. Jesus says that his followers will act. They will move towards those who are hurting and oppressed and will help them. Proverbs 31 verse 8 and 9, like we read earlier, says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of the destitute. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. There's action there. 
And so you might be wondering, well, what, what, what do I do? What are some of the things that I can do? Well, listen, I'm just a, a, a Bible teacher and pastor. I'm, I'm not an expert, but here's what I know the Bible at least expects of us as followers of Jesus, that we're to speak up, we're to defend the oppressed, we're to support the oppressed. We, we should be voting for people who care about defending and supporting those who are oppressed. We should be impartial in opportunities for people. And that goes for those of us that are employers and people who find ourselves in public service. We should be impartial and we should use our position and influence to help those who are poor and to help those who are oppressed. That's a minimum. I think these are obvious for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. But I'm also going to humble myself and listen to experts in this field of what can actually happen. What are some grassroots and and ground level things that, that need to happen to help the cause of the oppressed? We need to be listening to experts who do this day in and day out and know the changes that need to happen on the ground level to make sure that we are doing all we can to help those who feel oppressed, who feel the, the burden and the weight of systemic racism and prejudice and profiling. So, so here's our, our final prayer. Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak, your mind will think, You will live your life out of the overflow of your heart. So that's why all of our our prayers tonight have been about our hearts. So here's the, the final prayer. God, overflow my heart. Jesus said it's out of the overflow of our hearts that we will act. In the Bible, Jesus is demanding action from his followers. And it's out of the overflow of our hearts. So we need God to do something in our hearts that would move us to action. And so would you make that your prayer? And listen, you you may disagree with other good-hearted followers of Jesus on some of the specifics, some of the things that, that need to change in our system and in our society. You may disagree about some of those things. But what we should not disagree on, what we should all be able to agree on as followers of Jesus is that God should overflow our hearts to act, to defend the cause of the destitute, of the poor, of the oppressed. There's no question about that. So would you make that your prayer? God, overflow my heart that I might speak up and act and do what you expect of me. So would you make that your prayer right now? Write that out, verbalize that, type that in our chat right now just to participate with this and to make this your prayer. God, overflow my heart. Let's pray. God, I pray that right now you would overflow my heart in Jesus' name. God, that I might speak up, that I might act out, that I might defend the cause of the oppressed in a way that would honor you and glorify you in a way that would help those and defend those who are being oppressed in our society. 
So God, would you overflow my heart? Would you overflow the hearts of your people? God, that as you said in Isaiah chapter one, we wouldn't just be going through our religious routines and activities, God, just just comfortable in the things that, uh, that, that, that we find ourselves doing week in and week out, God, with no regard for the oppressed in our society, God, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, God, I pray that you would move our hearts, overflow our hearts to act, God, for the poor, the orphan, the, the widow, God, people of color who are oppressed in our society. God, knowing that Jesus said it's this action, it's this helping, it's this defending, it's this pleading their cause, God, that is the, a mark, it's an identifier, it's part of our DNA as followers of Jesus. And so God, I pray that right now you would overflow our hearts and that out of the overflow of our hearts, we would speak, we would act, we would defend. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know some of you might be saying right now that this is all overboard and that there's really no problem at all. And here's what I would say to you as lovingly as I possibly can. You're wrong. We've got a huge problem. We've got a massive systemic problem in our culture. Now you might be saying you've been too or overly influenced by the media. And here's what I would say to you, because I've been told that this week. I would say, if you're saying that we don't really have a problem or, or maybe you've been overly influenced by the media, here, here's what I would say. You probably, you probably have not been listening to the weekly experiences of people of color in our society. You probably haven't been listening. Because if you had been listening, here's what I think you would have found over the last couple of weeks is, as I have that most people of color can tell you story after story of weekly prejudice and profiling that they experience, even in our city, Lubbock, Texas. If you would listen to their stories, not, not, not just what you read on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, and even what you see on the news, I'm just talking about the stories that you would hear from people you love and trust, from people of color, of the stories of prejudice, profile, racism that they experience on an every week basis. So if you're saying that you don't think, or if you would say to me, you don't really think we have that big of a problem, or that maybe we've been overly influenced by the media with what we've seen all over social media and all over the news over the last couple of weeks, I, I would say you're wrong as lovingly as I possibly can and that you need to listen to the stories from people of color of what they are experiencing on a day-to-day, -day, a week-to-week basis. And after you've heard some of their stories, my guess is, is that you will begin to see that just like me, we've got a big problem in our country. And when there's a big problem in our country and one part of the body is suffering, then we all need to suffer right along with them. 
We've got to get uncomfortable and find out what is it that God wants to do in our hearts? What is it that God is saying to us, saying to you? What is God revealing to your heart about how maybe you, I, have been part of the problem? We've got to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And then pray, God, search me, humble me, stir my heart, overflow my heart, that I might change by the power of the Holy Spirit and be a part of the solution. And then secondly, I know to some of you who would say that all lives matter. We, we are hearing on a day-to-day basis right now that, that black lives matter, and I've seen the response over and over and over again that all lives matter, that there are a myriad of other issues and problems going on in our society today. And that's true. No one would disagree with the idea or with the statement that all lives matter or that there's not a myriad of other sinful issues that are going on in our country today that deserve our attention. No, no one would disagree with that. But, but let me just in, invite you to consider this, just to consider this. That if someone is saying, my house is on fire, it doesn't help at all to say, well, there's a lot of other houses on fire. No, no, no. When someone says their house is on fire, we expect the the fire department to go and to put out that fire. And the fact that there are other houses burning doesn't lessen or cheapen the fact that this house is on fire and this house that's on fire must be dealt with and that fire must be put out. And this house, make no mistake, is on fire. And we have a role to play. We have a part to play in putting this fire out. So, of course, black lives matter. And, of course, all lives matter. But Jesus, in Matthew 25, says that we're supposed to defend the cause of the widow, the orphan, the prisoner, the poor. In other words, he could have been saying poor lives matter, orphan lives matter, widows' lives matter. And we don't say to Jesus, well, Jesus, right, but but, but all lives matter. You you died for all, right? Yes, Jesus would say he he died for all. Of course, he he came for the world so that everyone might know him and have a relationship with him. But Jesus also made a point to call out marginalized, suffering, hurting oppressed people. And so Jesus would say something like, blessed are the poor. And for some of us today, we would say, yeah, Jesus, blessed are the poor, but, but blessed are everybody, right? No, no, no. Jesus would say, yes, of course, but blessed are the poor. Defend the cause of the orphan, the, the widow, the prisoner, the, the sick. Defend the cause of the oppressed. Jesus, God in the flesh, shows us that the heartbeat of God is for marginalized people. And God expects those of us who find ourselves in a place of privilege, not oppressed, to help those and to defend the cause of those who find themselves oppressed. In Luke chapter 15, the story we read about earlier, about the good shepherd going after the one, leaving the 99 to go after the one. We sing a song that is so popular in the church today, and rightfully so. 
about the heartbeat of God being for the one. Sure, the 99 matter, but the one that's lost, that's hurting, that's oppressed, the one, that's who the good shepherd goes after. And we sing a song about it. And so you can say that all lives matter, and what about this other issue? And that's fine. But let's not, or let's remember that saying my house is on fire doesn't mean that every other house doesn't matter. It just means that my house is on fire, and the fire needs to be put out. Ellie Weissel, a Jewish Holocaust victim, said this, Whenever men and women are persecuted because of their race, religion, or political views, that place must, at that moment, become the center of the universe. You know, the Jews would have been annihilated if we in other countries would have said, yeah, what the Nazis are doing is wrong, but so is abortion. That just ends up making every issue a non-issue. And that's not okay. To highlight or to point out the struggles and pains of one group in no way belittles or denies the importance of another. And so, Father of Jesus, I would invite you to consider that there's a house on fire in our country. And it deserves our attention. It deserves our prayer. It deserves our action. Because black lives do matter. And their house right now is on fire. And they are pleading with us to help them, to defend them, to use our position, our position of privilege, to do what we can to defend the cause of the oppressed. I want to end with this. Jesus said in John 13, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. Man, it's my prayer, and I hope it's your prayer too, that God would fill your heart with love for one another, and specifically for people of color. God said in, through, through his servant Paul in Romans chapter 5, God demonstrated his love, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't just say he loved us. He demonstrated it. He acted out on his love. And so, Let's make it our prayer that by this, right now, in this moment, in this time, the world would know that we are his disciples, that we love one another, and that we demonstrate our love right now for a people who need to see it, that we love them, that we care about them, and we will demonstrate that love in the same way God demonstrated his love for us, we will set aside our privilege, just like Jesus did, says in Philippians chapter 2, set aside our position, and we will lay ourselves down for our brother. 
Would you pray with me? God, I pray that it would be true of us right now that it would be your love that so fills and moves our hearts right now to action. God, that it would be true of us that the world would know us because of our love for one another, not because of our opinions and posts. That's not the the way the world's gonna know we're followers of Jesus. The way the world is going to know we're followers of Jesus, the way they're going to see you, the way that we're going to reveal you to the world is by our love for one another. So God, would you fill our hearts right now with love, with love for our brother. As John said, if we don't love our brother, then the love of the Father is not in us. And so God, I pray that right now you would fill our hearts with love for our brother and that we would demonstrate that love by humbling ourselves and by using our privilege, our position, our influence, by laying ourselves down for the sake of another. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.